Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to Love Yourself Fiercely. I'm really excited for today's guest because what she is doing in the world is much needed and super empowering, and I'm very excited. Deanna, thank you so much for being here. Deanna is, a, is the CEO and founder of Revenge Worthy Success, and she helps newly divorced women with divorce coaching and also financial coaching around how to navigate being divorced and what that looks like as they navigate what their life now looks like. So I love what you do. I'm so excited you're here. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yes. Um, the, um, the company is Better Indeed Group. Revenge Worthy Success is my Facebook group. Oh, okay. So Because I have like I have like two different um, little divisions within there. So, um, so tell us a little bit about how your journey began and where, how you kind of landed in this coaching space. Yeah, it's um, fascinating. Definitely, <laughs> definitely fascinating. I went through absolute, am I allowed to cuss? <laughs> oh yeah, we cuss here. <laughs> yeah freaking hell with my divorce and I struggled in every way every way shape and form we were married for 19 years it was really 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 just um almost crushing and so I, I dealt with the financial challenges I dealt with um the children challenges. I dealt with the emotional challenges, the depression, all of that stuff. And so I have tons of life experience with a very extreme, very nasty divorce. And um, so last year I started my company, which was to be solely focused on bookkeeping because that's what I knew. That's what I did all the time. And that's just where I wanted to continue because it was easy. And then I had people start coming to me, asking me for finance coaching. Mm -hmm. I'm like, and they were divorcing women. They were women who were going through a divorce. And I'm like, oh my gosh, um, the universe is slapping this crap in my life, right? I'm like, oh my goodness gracious, this is, it's because I have every, every challenge that almost, thank God, no bankruptcies, mm -hmm. but it, challenge that um, anybody who's now having to learn to deal with their finances on their own would even remotely go through, I've been through. Mm -hmm. And I've been through the emotional strain of a divorce so I can completely relate to the pain. And it was just the perfect fit. It just literally just landed like I said landed in my lap and it it just from there and that was the end of last year was sort of October-ish is where it started and then it just and like I embraced it and you know I still do my bookkeeping and I have other people a lot of other people not a lot of three other people doing that work and I'm doing a little bit of it also but now I get to focus on this that's a really big passion that makes me so I love that so much. And um, you and I talked a little bit off camera or off recording about 
the grieving process of a divorce as well and what that looks like in terms of our womanhood and now you know our mama bear comes out and we want to protect our babies and we have to navigate co-parenting and we have to navigate where are we going to live and who, who am I now and what money do I have and you know what's going to happen it's just a, a whole process of grief you know and anger I think anger is like our our immediate response as women because um it's productive as hell mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> get <yeah>. shit done <laughs> right oh, yeah and when you're facing all of that emotion and that grief and all of the extra comes down on you while you're trying to function through that, it's hard as hell. Yeah, it's hard. It's really, really, really tough. You're having to look out for the kids. You're having to look out for yourself. You're having to figure out where you're going to go. Having, do you get rid of the family home? Do you do this? It's just really hard. All in the midst of one of the most emotional times of your life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think having a, a place for women in their uncertainty to land is incredible. When I, some people who listen to the podcast know this, some don't. When I started my journey, I found myself as a, as a single mom, um, a young single mom, like, what do I do with my life? And everything I thought it was going to be, it no longer was in the blink of an eye. And I decided to run in the direction of I mean, I didn't know I was doing it then, but I was really just running in the direction of creating my own freedom. And I love how you say they landed in your lap because for a really long time, the majority of the women that flocked to me were single because they were like, how are you doing this? How are you doing this when you have kids to balance and a daytime, a day job to balance? And, you know, I, I want to know how you're overcoming it all. And then in my journey and now in your journey, having a place for them to land is so incredibly important because they're just in midst of chaos. And um, yeah, tell me what your favorite part about the women that you work with. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm already, I'm like tearing up just talking. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how passionate I am about it. Um, I, the favorite part are the ahas. The mm they believe that they can, right? Yeah. It takes a while to get there. You know, I've done several one-on-one clients and now I've done a group program, but the one-on-one clients, it literally takes me a good two to three months of working with them. First of all, to develop the comfort, right? I mean, you're mm-hmm. talking something very personal. Um, they're usually pretty comfortable in the beginning with regards to the tactical, but then it, we also start early dealing with the baggage, right? Cause we all have yeah. baggage from our childhood even. So we start addressing what everybody's issues are different. So we start addressing those issues. And then as we work through that and they get to a point where they're like, okay. And then I get to the place where I can go, okay, that's it. Yeah. Enough hand holding, snap out of it. Let's move forward. And so those ahas where they get to that point and they know, realize they can keep going and now they got it. Right. Those are, that's my absolute favorite. Mm, It's mine. Six years in too. Uh It's mine when, when the women in our containers really start to find their inner power and realize 
that they have always been capable, but yeah. now they believe it. And yeah. I love that you do the deep diving work of inner child healing and unpacking that because, you know, it's so interesting to me how little inner child work is in the grand scheme of the coaching industry. There's a lot of incredible people who do a lot of inner child healing, but people, women come into my container, they've never heard of it before. Wow. And I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of all of our shit, every journey is different and everybody's got baggage yeah. and everybody has shit. At the end of the day, if we don't go back to the little girl who didn't feel enough or didn't yes. feel worthy or oh didn't gosh, feel yes. loved and reconnect with her, we will always struggle with those things because yeah. it started long before our husband walked out on us or something oh, yes. bad happened or a marriage disintegrated or a job was lost or a business was failed or insert problem here. Our our desire to look externally for, for the answers and for the validation began long, long ago. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting that you say that because, um, my group coaching program starts with a hypnosis session all centered around that. So I'm like, we're not even going to get into the details of any numbers until we start right there. Um, you know, like one of my things is, my uncle, when I was younger, would pay me to be quiet. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, so there's just like little things and things that you don't even, until you've gone through even, I mean, I don't know how you yeah. are, but hypnosis, but to, it's very powerful. <laughs> yeah. And so when we dive in in that very first session and, and we realize that, oh my gosh, I didn't even, I, I didn't even remember that until now. And like the power of somebody just as an example, paying you to be quiet, mm -hmm. like, come on. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually just had, I sent out questionnaires for the group that I just finished up and oh my God, it feels so good to get them back. It was Yay. beautiful. Um, but this one girl, and she was telling me, she's like, there were things in my childhood from that first hypnosis session that I didn't even realize were issues. And now I do. And, and I'm able to identify and work through it. Yeah. Yeah. Inner child. Yeah. Amazing. In Amazing. my signature, it's so important. And in my signature program, um, love yourself fiercely. I do a live coaching where I connect a woman back to her inner child. And it is without a doubt, the most powerful exercise I take any woman through in any of yeah. my containers, because we don't know what we don't know. And nope. a lot of the things that happen to us as kids, some of us have like really clear trauma as to where those things were developed, but the majority of us do not have clear trauma. And so we can't understand our own patterns because we don't identify a problem. But it, when you are paid to be quiet, when you're mm -hmm. told you're too much, when you're told you're too emotional, when you're to be seen and not heard, when your parents, you know, have their own trauma. And so they don't love in the way that we feel loved right. if there's bullying at school, or you never felt like you fit in at school. It, all of those things we grow up, I'm, I'm doing air quotes for the listeners. We grow up and we grow out of it, air quote, right? Yeah. We learn to cope and we learn to 
put some wool over our eyes and we learn to suppress our emotions to get through adulthood until something really fucking shitty happens. Yeah, and we're, like divorce. we like divorce, <laughs> exactly. right? Yeah. And we're faced with every demon we've ever had that we didn't even know existed. So the, the inner child work is like next level powerful. Yeah. And the language I use in my business is a lot of inner power, a, li- a lot of feminine energy, but it's the same thing. Your baby goddess is your inner child. I love it. I love it. Right. Your, right. your inner power. I always say, imagine a baby flame. And the, <laughs> the more you connect with your inner child, the bigger it grows and the bigger it grows and the bigger it grows. And then yeah. you're in your power. Yeah. And that after a divorce, we have to get to that place. We have to find that inner power or there's no going forward. Absolutely. Like you have to identify and feed it and grow that flame mm-hmm. or you're, you won't make it out. And I think, you know, I let's, since we're on the, the topic of the emotional piece of the divorce, we haven't got to the financial piece yet. Yeah, but, I know, right. <laughs> you know, when you're in a marriage or, or a union or a companionship, or you have a spouse for a really long time, we are taught from a very young age that it's another person's job to love us. It's another person's job to take care of us. It's another person's job to make us happy. And a divorce happens and we realize, particularly as women, although I do firmly believe this also happens with men, that we literally don't know who we are anymore. We don't remember who we were before, just like most of us don't remember who the hell we were before kids. You know, if it feels really good to look back there and say, look at all that time I had to sleep and look at all that time I had to go out and have fun. But we really wouldn't know how to do that again because it's not part of our identity anymore. We've evolved from that. But when we put so much external, when we look externally to a partner for so long, for so many needs, and then that is gone, we're like, who the hell am I? Yeah, there's no doubt. I have, I think for the first two or three years after my divorce, that was what I kept saying. I'm finding myself, I'm finding myself, I'm finding myself because I didn't know who the hell I was anymore. Yeah. Or even what you liked. No, I had given my entire existence to my husband and my children. Mm -hmm. Every bit of it. I mean, I was a stay at home, homeschool mom. (laughs) was I gave it all the way yeah fight my education um you know it just yeah and I would I would love to like have a session with you where we dive into you know what as a woman but particularly like just your situation you know how much of that made you fueled your need to be seen and needed Mm. Yeah. Right. When we talk about, shh, I'll pay you to be quiet. Uh-huh. That translates to a grown woman being like, I need to be needed really badly. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. That's a very, very good point. You are so absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I did what I did. I mean, I was, a. I don't know how much I've even told you. I was, a, we were foster parents. I've wow. been in raising 11 different children. Why is that? Need yeah. need to be needed right need to be valuable yeah it it totally fits um and it's hard 
it's so hard when you've gone through that divorce and you get to a point you're like, okay, I don't want to be needed anymore. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be needed anymore. I've been needed for too long. Mm-hmm. Now, now I'm done. I want to just do me, right? Mm-hmm. I want to be me and build for me. Now, granted, I want to leave a legacy for my family and my children. Right. I want to be me. And yeah. I want to, like, maybe other women can need me, but God forbid it's another child. <laughs> well, but also like there's the power of learning to know who you are and what your desires are and what your passions are and what you like and what you enjoy and also the healing process. So this one is, hey, listeners, listen up on this one. This is a really big aha moment for a lot of people listening. When we are unhealed and we are we spend our lives looking outside of ourselves for the answers. We need to be needed. We need to be loved. We need other people. And then when you heal, and then when you, d- you discover who you are and how much you actually love the power you hold and who you are becoming as a woman, all of a sudden, the thought of being needed that badly is painful because (laughs) you are so comfortable internally now like your best friend is you your greatest love is you you're you become so certain in who you are and what you need for yourself to fill your own cup that that external stuff can be super overwhelming yes Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I have a 10 year old. Okay. So my older two are 20 and 18. They're pretty self-sufficient. They're doing great. I have a 10 year old that through the fostering we adopted and she is ADHD ODD. So deficit hyperactivity disorder, oppositional defiance disorder. Okay. Well, she needs me all the time. Yeah. And I am at that place where I'm like, no, (laughs) make it go away. Yeah. (laughs) Like make it, just make it be quiet for just an hour. Just one hour. I want to complete a task at one time, you know, and I want to commend you, first of all, for opening your home and your heart to kids who didn't have that because my background's in children's mental health. And so there's such a soft spot for me there. And I also want to commend you because for those who are listening, who don't know what ODD is, it's oppositional defiance disorder. And it is one of the most challenging disorders to parent. Because if you say the sky is blue, they'll say, screw you. It's purple. If you say spaghetti's for dinner and spaghetti's their favorite they say i hate that i'm not eating it that is so that's a big one (laughs) right it's like this is your favorite meal it's like bless your heart it's like having a three-nanger for a really 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 long time yeah it's it's very tough it's tough. And also they're, they, they're still human beings. And so these children are still maturing. Their bodies are changing. Their needs are changing. The, how they want to be accepted in the world is changing. And so as mothers, as parents, 
It's like, I want to give you the tools to self-empower. I also want to be able to provide the, what you need for your needs. And also I'm exhausted. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I got to give you kudos there. I worked very, very closely with a lot of families with children with ODD and FASD. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I know that diagnosis very well. And I know how emotionally and physically. It, it, it is exhausting. Yeah, for doubt. No doubt. There is no doubt. Yeah. This is her dad's weekend. So, hey. Hey. Hi, Love her to death. <laughs> yeah. That break is so wonderful. It that is. It's necessary. That is one good thing that came from divorce. So, okay, let's talk about that. <laughs> I hope this doesn't trigger any of the listeners. But when I became a single parent, um, you know, the custody schedule in my situation took a really long time because she was a newborn. And so I had her forever until she was about 16 months when I started to allow overnights. And I tell this to anybody in my world that I know personally that's going through a divorce. And I always say, it's really hard to send your babies away, but it is also something you will learn to value, appreciate, and be grateful for because that 48 hours of self-dedicated me time to do whatever the hell I want in whatever capacity, if I don't ever want to get out of bed for the entire weekend, I don't. If I want to go out with my girlfriends and have a drink, I can do that. If I want to work for 48 hours because it's my joy, I'm going to do that. If I'm going to clean the shit out of my house with my favorite 90s tunes blaring, okay. I can do that. It's 48 hours of self-dedicated self-care. And I think so- it- yeah, I think that definitely comes though with finding yourself. For so you sure. Go through that process before that gets more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, you know, like you, like what we're talking about, we want to be wanted, we want to be needed. We've been needed and wanted for so long. Mm-hmm. Taking the time for ourselves to know who we are. Yeah. And I would love to hear your perspective on how you teach the concept or how you empower women to um, navigate co-parenting, because this is truly a passion of mine. Um, I have yet to figure out how to implement it into (laughs) my business. So I don't teach it, but it is something that I'm incredibly, incredibly passionate about. Well, unfortunately I don't teach it either Mm -hmm. because I suck at it. (laughs) It's hard. And And I am if anybody's straightforward, it's me. <laughs> so I'll tell you right now, that is one thing that I, my husband, my, my husband, my ex-husband and I, it's been six years, six years. We still do not get along. Mm, I, well, I can't speak to that at all. Unfortunately. I would love to an extend a hand to come into your group and train on co-parenting because this is something that a lot of people in my world know. It's been 10 years I'm remarried. I have another child and the co-parenting relationship we've developed between the three of us is world-class. Ah, nice. All three parents are at every event. Um, her dad just called me yesterday to ask what my son wanted for his birthday. Uh, You know, we've developed this and we did it from day one and it was really, really important to us. And I think it's because we both came from 
divorced families where there was no getting along between the parents. And so uh, her father and I made a commitment long ago that she would always be the forefront of every decision that we had. Mm -hmm. And if we had a problem and we needed to have a really bad fucking argument, it was going to be over the phone when she was in bed. If it was serious enough that we needed to meet in public, it would be in a public setting after she was not around. Um, We've navigated in-laws like ex-in-laws and ex-siblings and you know it takes a it takes a lot of really really important work to get to a place where you can literally put aside all of your own bullshit and just do what's best for your kids and I'm not naive enough to believe that every man is my Mm ex-husband because he's very you know, super amicable, super laid back. All he wants is what's best for his kid. He loves my husband. He knows that if something ever happened to him, my husband will raise his daughter. And so the relationship that they developed over time is also world-class. So, but I'm not naive enough to believe that every man is like that. Yeah. Nope. (laughs) And so it's not always easy, but, um, he wasn't always like that. And mm-hmm. I all wasn't always like this. Trust you me. I would have, when he left us, I would have never let him see his kid again. I was so mad. <laughs> yes. And I was like, how can you do that to your daughter? How could you do that to me? You know, right. but, but after breathing, doing some deep <laughs> breathing, yeah, a lot um, of it. I had to self-reflect on what it was like to be a child growing up with two parents who couldn't spend an hour in the same room and how it felt to be a little girl who looked around at her Christmas concert and never saw her dad there. Yeah. Well, we have managed that. I mean, I do, we will shove it under the rug as long as we right. Um, And so they, we are at the events together in that happen so you know on the surface for anybody looking in looks all great but it's private text it isn't pretty yeah and so I I think you know I think that's learned and I think that's like something that has to happen between both adults who say unless it's about the children Mm -hmm. I'm not here for it absolutely yep it took us probably four or five years to get to that place yeah there's still the underlying, you know, you can feel the The passive aggressive undertones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And you know, it's just like that part is another piece that I think no one fucking talks about when your world blows up and you make it and you're like, I'm going to do what I got to do to make my life better. And then every other weekend you're dealing with someone who really triggers you. Oh my gosh. Yes. And you also can't control big issue. Yeah. Right. And you can't control if the rules happen at dad's or they don't, you can't control (laughs) bedtimes. You can't control, you know, that kind of stuff. And that can be incredibly triggering for women who work very hard as single parents, 12 days out of 14 to put in rules and structure and, routine for our kids because we know that how important that is and then they go away for the weekend and it's like you got to start all over again and even in a even in a amicable situation like ours there's still that shit yeah. right there's still that shit where my seven-year-old was up till 10 30 at night on a saturday why yeah. it's not necessary 
Well, yeah. is it New Year's Eve? No. No. Is it right. Canada Day and you're watching fireworks? No. Well, then it's not necessary, you know, and that kind of shit still happens. And fortunately, my kid is old enough now that I get to say the rules at daddy's are different than the rules at mommy's. And so when you're at mommy's, the rules are exactly as you expect them to be. They don't change. And they don't you change. <laughs> nope. Well, sure they do while you're away. Well, yeah. <laughs> Peace. But at In this house, they're still the same. Yeah. They yeah. You know, so I think it's just an interesting I don't want to make this all about, you know, divorce and co-parenting. <laughs> I feel like we scrolled there. So let's circle back to anybody who's listening, who is struggling to figure out how to navigate co-parenting. Please know that my DMs are always open and I'm happy to share my experience and what I have learned and the psychology behind what I have learned, uh, because I know it's not easy. So yeah. And I'm with, willing to talk too, yeah. but I'm not great at it, <laughs> but I'll talk to you. So let's, let's dive into the financial coaching that you do with newly divorced women, because I think this is incredibly valuable, particularly for couples who, who the man did a lot of the financial stuff. Yes, absolutely. That's the biggest. I was lucky because I, you know, my master's was at, in accounting. So I already took care of all the finances. So it was and it became more difficult because they were a heck of a lot tighter. Um, but I knew what I was doing, but it is more common than not that the man takes care of the finances. So when the woman is now on her own, she's having to learn or relearn, maybe she learned before she got married and then didn't have to deal with it, but she's having to learn to take care of everything. And hard, especially when dealing with the emotions and everything else. Mm -hmm. um, for example, and I think I mentioned this to you the other day, I had a client where we were going through because we do a full analysis of their expenses and where they are and what they've been spending money on. And um, as we did that for this one particular client, she realized that she wasn't even paying for any auto insurance. She didn't even have any. She oh had that she didn't have any. She didn't have a clue that she didn't have any. I'm not sure she even knew she needed any. I'm a not, I'm, and I'm honestly wow. no idea, but it's just, there's so much that number one, you've got all the emotions going on. So it's really kind of hard to process everything. Mm -hmm. Then when you're trying to process things that you haven't had to process at all, it's a whole nother story. And then add on top any issues you have with money. Like if you're afraid, like I have one particular client who's afraid to invest. She's afraid to invest her money and she'd rather it sit in a little savings account earning a half a percent. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got, you've got your money issues from childhood or whatever. Yep. The emotions and the difficulties of dealing with the actual divorce and then the not knowing. And so it's, it's a difficult place, very difficult place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know that really well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I, you know, her dad and I 
were not together really like super long. He was, that's a whole backstory, but he was um, deployed in Afghan Afghanistan and training for Afghanistan for the majority of our relationship. So we didn't cohabit for a long time. So fortunately for me, I didn't have to relearn finances because um, he kept the house because that's where he was stationed. And I went and lived with my mom with my infant. So that was a bit of a relief for me, but I sold my car left my job, quit college to go and be with him. Mm, And so I was like, I literally have nothing. I have no things. And so I did what I had to do. And I racked up a lot of school debt. I racked up a lot of debt getting on my feet. And when she was three, I had to... I'm so sorry. That's okay, bless you. (laughs) When she was three, I had to claim bankruptcy. Mm, yeah. And I'm not afraid to talk about that anymore. I think it's a really important piece of, of my growth and success and development as a woman. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's like, you don't know what you don't know. And he always made really good money and I never really had to think about it. Yeah. I had to pay for my car and pay for my car insurance. And, you know, uh, we were young in our twenties and yeah, there I had a new baby. Yeah. Now I had a house. Now I had a, all of the things and nobody wants to have to claim bankruptcy, but I'll tell you, I learned how to budget like a freaking ninja so quick when every (laughs) line of credit was gone and every credit card was gone. It was like, well, what my paycheck is, is what we live on. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes it's the best answer. Mm -hmm. It's not always the worst case scenario. Um, but yeah, when you are cut off from what you think are your lifelines, those mm-hmm. cards, um, it does, it does get really tough, but it's definitely a good, good way to learn because credit is the devil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's I a great, very well too. <laughs> yeah. It's a great safety net. Um, yeah. the problem is it's also what we use to fuel our emotional pain when we're grieving and going through the process. It's like, I'll just, I'll just go buy a new pair of shoes. I'll just go to, we'll take the kids to the amusement amusement park. And we don't really have the cash to do that. So that $200 day is now on credit and that other $200 thing and that other $55 thing. And before you know it, you've put $1,500 on a credit card in one month. And you'll pay on that for five years. (laughs) Right. If you even can, if you even can. Yeah. You know? And so uh, I love that you do that piece as well, because it is when you're emotionally in turmoil, when you don't know where where you're going to land or what your life's going to look like. And then you're like, I don't know if I have enough money to live Mm -hmm. is terrifying. It's terrifying. It is. I had a visitor. <laughs> it was a four-legged visitor for anyone listening. We had a little puppy visit. <laughs> yes. Sorry. That's okay. Um, so what is some advice you give to women when you're giving them financial coaching around how to budget and how to manage and how to feel confident in their finances? Yeah, absolutely. We, we start with full analysis of three months. So I take, I take whatever your, whatever accounts you're spending from, whether it's credit card, checking account, whatever the case may be, 
and we analyze exactly what you've been doing because, hey, we all have those places in our discretionary budget that are important to us, mm-hmm. whether they're uh, good or not is one thing, right? <laughs> but we all, we don't, I am very much of the opinion that we don't just say you can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So we work really hard to build that need because it is. Yep. A lot of people will tell you it's just a want. Well, wants can sometimes be needs, especially when you're going through struggling times emotionally, right? Mm-hmm. So we do the evaluation, we take into account where those little weaknesses are, we build them in. Um, and then we start developing, once we've developed that budget, we work through it together to make sure we know what it looks like. Um, we use Mint. I teach my clients to use Mint. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a it's a tracking tool where you sync. It's, it's basically bookkeeping for an individual. Amazing. Yeah, but you you put your budget into the software so that when you categorize anything that comes through, you can see exactly how you're doing on your budget. Mm. It's a very beautiful picture of where you are and are you succeeding or are you struggling? Um, so once we've done that, we keep up that. Um, that is essential for what I do because if you can't, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. If you can't visualize what you're doing, then you're not going to be able to accomplish what your goals and your dreams are financially. So then we start working through all the tactical ways of saving money. I mean, if they're on a tight budget, some of the clients that come to me are not, they have other issues with their money. Um, as in being afraid to invest or using credit cards when they really don't need to, the insecurity that they have around money, regardless of how much is in their account. There are Mm -hmm. those, um, but then there are those who are doing everything they can just to make ends meet. Um, So for the ones that are struggling to make ends meet, and even for the others, we evaluate um, different ways to save money because any dollar saved on spending is a dollar in that you can invest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we just, with this last group that we just wrapped up, we did 10 days of a challenge and there were like seven or eight different elements that they were to do. Like for 10 days, we're not going to go. I mean, this particular group had an affinity for dining out. <laughs> including me. (laughs) So we, one of the things was we're not going to eat out those 10 days, no matter what you do. I mean, you can go to the grocery store. If you're craving sushi, go get it from the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Right. Don't go to the sushi restaurant. Um, And so their, their task in those challenges was to identify and determine and visualize by writing it down what they saved Mm -hmm. if you are out driving your kid to swim and you need to feed the kid and you would have normally stopped at chick-fil-a yeah then what would you have spent that amount you pop into investment yeah 
and you better think ahead and pack yourself a lunch for that kid or something, right? Um, so their their goal, and I'm supposed to get these numbers today from this group, which is I'm interested, um, is to in all these tasks identify exactly how much they've saved. So another thing that we do is go through subscriptions. Everybody mm-hmm. has subscriptions that they're not using. Yeah, or they don't really need. Um, but they're supposed to quantify everything and tell you exactly how much they have because that is our Kickstarter for their emergency fund. Well, and what's interesting, and this is like, this is a skill I also used, learned very quickly and and very um, intimately when I was forced to live on only what was in my account is Mm -hmm. the amount of money wasted on... I'll just grab a coffee for, oh, so I'm a Starbucks addict. I have no shame. I have no shame, (laughs) but then I got my husband hooked on it. And I was like, yo, do you realize that we're, it's $13 a pop. We do that four times a week and we're $55 deep, $55. That's over two, that's $210 a month. Yep. That's twenty six thousand or $2,600 a year. Yeah. It's those things. It's then that's why we do that little challenge yeah. because it's those things and the visualization of it. Oh yeah. Seeing it. And cause they, they're responsible to text me and say, you know, I saved this or so they're, they're visualizing as if they get it out and it's, it's a wake up call. It's like a rude awakening. Oh Yeah. Uh, it blows, it would blow people's mind to really, really look back on the last six months and say, print out all of your debit and credit cards and highlight everything that was an impulse purchase, everything that was a drive-through, everything that was, I don't feel like making dinner tonight. Mm -hmm. You would be ill. (laughs) The average person would feel sick to know how much money they're they're, you know, I don't want to use the word wasting, but they're frivolous about because, uh, frivolous is the wrong word. That's, is that the wrong word? No, it's not. Okay. Um, you know, we're just really flippant about what, especially because money is plastic. It's not real. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's not, it's so easy to just be like, beep, beep. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Some people benefit from the envelope method. I don't know if you've ever heard of oh, that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some people are, are, that's what they have to have. Yep. Because yeah. we have gotten used to that piece of plastic. It's so easy. Yeah. And so with the envelope method, you literally have your budget, you know what you're supposed to spend each week and each week for the different discretionary areas, you put amount of money in the envelope. When that money is gone from that envelope, it's gone. Done. It's gone. It's done. Yep. And part of the power of what I do is literally just the accountability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because the awareness. When, when you know someone is there to ask you what you did. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a funny. I had someone message me a couple months ago to Nordstrom and bought two dresses. I'm like, oh, okay. That's awesome. What are they like? What are they for? Is there an event? <laughs> and she knew what she was going to mm-hmm. She's like, okay, I'll take them back. <laughs> I'm like, only if you don't need them. Right. I mean, if you need them, 
then keep them. But if you really, truly don't think you really need them, then maybe you should. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that accountability is a lot. It's pretty powerful. It's, you know, my, my husband and my mom still joke that they I'm called the budgeting ninja because I, because I'm so good at it now, because I had to be for like six years, I had to be, um, you know, it's, and I am not the one that's like, we can't go out. We absolutely can. But if I'm going to drop a hundred bucks, you better believe it's not going to be on fast food. Then yeah. our family's going <laughs> to go and we're going to have a night out or it's going to be date night with my, with my partner, where I get to go and connect and have a couple of glasses of wine at a restaurant. That's worth a hundred dollars to me. 45 bucks at McDonald's, which by the way, for anyone's listening, who doesn't have kids. That's how much it costs to feed a family of four at McDonald's now. <laughs> well, if you don't need the dollar menu. <laughs> right. Right. Well, we don't have the dollar menu in Canada. What? Yeah, well, we have like the, they call it the value meal, but there's like three things on it. Oh. Yeah. It's not great. You know, it's not worth it then. Nope. Yeah. The last time we went, the last time I took my kids to McDonald's, it cost us, I think it was like $42 and I nearly died. Like it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Two of those and literally the whole family can go out to sit and go out to a sit down yeah. dinner. Right. Or mm-hmm. if we say we don't need that for two times that we would have lazily grabbed fast food, I can take my kids to an amusement park for an entire day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, um, and, and something that you said tri- triggered me to think about this. Um, one of the things that we do here is that if money is tight and we aren't going, or a kid asks for something, or even if you want something, you have to be careful how you phrase it to yourself. Mm. Don't, don't say, oh, we don't have the money for that. Right. It's, I choose not to spend absolutely on that because the mindset, the scarcity mindset of, we don't have the money for that is definitely a negative. It's a negative. You don't want yep. So that's one little tiny tip, but we always say, I choose not to spend my money on that. I'm like, well, swim meat last night. Dear Lord, my child will beat me up for the concessions. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, beat me, beat me, beat me. And so I took $5 and um, she took the $5 bill and I just let her go. And she came back with an icy, four bucks for an icy. And I'm like, okay, well, mom, can I go get a cheeseburger? I'm like, mm, well, you chose to spend the money on the icy. So you could have gotten a cheeseburger and a Gatorade and a bag of chips. Yeah. Instead of the icy, right? So it's all in what you choose and the choices you make. And thank you for bringing that up. Sometimes that old language comes out of my mouth, but it's so true. Um, you know, and also we, we started this conversation with inner child. And now that we are the adults that are throwing that language around, we're instilling it in our kids. Yes. And yes. so when we say things like we can't afford that, yep. what we're teaching them is to be afraid of money. What we're teaching them is that money holds the power. One of my biggest money blocks was that I didn't trust money. It took me years to get through that. Like I didn't trust that money could keep me safe. And I didn't trust that it would be there to, to, 
it would be there for me because of my upbringing and the conflict around money. And so we don't say that we don't use, I can't afford that here either. We also say, awesome. you know, is that something we need or is that something we, we want? And yeah. if it's something we need, then, you know, maybe we can go and get it, or maybe we can go and get it later in the month when we really need it. And right. I say things like that, like my, when my kids are like, I need new shoes and you know, it's, summer here. And I'm going to promise you that that 10 year old is never going to put a pair of sneakers on until September when she has to go back to school. So I know you really want a new pair of running shoes, but we'll get them right before school. And then it'll be really fun for us to grab the ones you want mm -hmm. to go back to school. Yeah. At the same time, and this is important to me when I'm working with my clients, sometimes our need, our wants are needs. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Uh, yeah. Sometimes our wants are needs. And, and no matter how many times somebody tells you to separate the emotional aspects from the physical monetary spending, you, it's not, you don't separate that. Mm -hmm. There is emotion in money, period. It's not that finite. You have to be able to understand that there is value in the emotional benefit you get from spending money on something that's important to you. Mm -hmm. Got to weigh it, got to figure it out, but definitely don't, don't discount that. I need to go get a dress because I don't feel good about myself. Okay, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Or things like it makes me feel really good about myself when I get my nails done. It makes me feel really good about myself to, Absolutely. you know, I have my eyelash extensions back on That's something that is, you know, I could not have eyelash extensions, but they make me feel really good about myself when yeah. I spend the majority of my life on camera. And so for me, it is a want that is a need. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and no, for women, <laughs> yeah, they are. But for women who are going through self-discovery, if they have been getting their nails done every two weeks for the last 20 years, and now they feel like they have to sacrifice that we mm -hmm. hold our confidence in our identity. And sometimes a lot of us, especially as women hold our confidence in our appearance. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with nope. that. Nope. A majority of people will tell you that there is. No, no. Even when I was like literally just scraping by, I always made sure that the things that made me feel good about myself were budgeted into our yes. life. Yes. And that's definitely something that I make sure I do when we do the budget. And I, I'm really glad that you do that for your clients, especially mm, as they're going absolutely. through probably one of the hardest times of their life. If if getting their nails, getting a manicure and a pedicure makes them feel pretty for a day, makes them feel put together, mm -hmm. makes them feel some sort of normal way about themselves, then that mm -hmm. is a need. Build it in, build mm -hmm. it in. Ah, I love this conversation. I'm so glad we have it. Yeah, we I'm had enjoying. it. Is there, I, I have two more questions because there's one question I ask every single guest, but I want to ask this one first. Okay. If a woman who's listening who is on the verge of a divorce and she's really afraid um, to be on her own. What would, what would you want to say to her if this was your first point of contact? First point of contact would be, of course, fully evaluate the situation. 
Um, I know no one's going to go into a divorce lightly, but definitely, you know, I, I always said I would never get divorced. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe I was wrong. Um, but once you've realized that that is the ultimate decision you have to make, find somebody, anybody who can be there to help you believe in yourself because you're not going to, no matter what the situation you are going to struggle with that belief in yourself. And so you knew, and you need some sort of an advocate there for you that can help you along the way and continue to encourage you because you can do it no matter what anyone is saying around you, because it could be very, very well that you're hearing there's no way you're going to make it. I mean, men tell their women that as they're trying to leave, you know, that's the case way too often. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, the view that has to be taken on that is you. Yep. Watch me. And so that hence, hence the revenge worthy success, right? Mm-hmm. Watch me. You know, if, if you do it for nothing more in the beginning than that revenge-worthy success, use it. That's, that'll get you going. And then after that, you can realize, hey, this was for me. Mm-hmm. Really for the revenge-worthy success. No, yeah. it was totally for you, right? So find somebody that can be an advocate for you, a close friend, someone unbiased, whatever the case may be, um, that will help you continue to move forward and believe in yourself. I love that so much. And yeah, the revenge worthy success. I love that you're like, it's never really about that, but we don't know that yet. It was like (laughs) at the beginning when I said I was so fucking angry and anger is productive. And for a lot of women, it's like, I'm gonna be so mad because mad makes me prove you wrong. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's like that same exactly. principle. It's the, I yep. love that. Yeah. I love yeah, that. It's like you said, anger is powerful. And so, yeah, yeah. you are in the beginning. It's that. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. <laughs> pardon me, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. Just to show you and everybody else around you and everybody around to us. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. Ultimately, it's not really about that. No, but that's, you know, n- nobody who is in the midst of a divorce or is just walking away or has a lot of people in their world who don't respect their decision. Not one person is confident in that decision when they have a lot of noise. And so if there's a place they can go just to stick their middle finger in the air and say, watch me, and that's Mm -hmm. enough for them to push forward on their journey, then that has to be enough because the self-discovery comes when the dust settles and things get quiet and the world gets quiet, that's when you really start to self-evaluate and self-discover, but that's a whole process. So Deanna, I love so much what you do, and I'm so excited that you shared that with everybody. Um, Before you tell them where they can find more of you, I got to ask the signature question. In our world, we talk an awful lot about limiting beliefs, and I ask every single guest that comes on the show, what limiting belief still comes up for you to this day and what strategy strategies do you use to minimize the noise and navigate through that quicker than you would in the past? I know. I I don't even have to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) 
gosh. I'm not worthy. Mm. I'm not worthy. And then we can, we can take that as far back as the uncle begging me to shut up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I struggle with that the most. And the things that help me are the client testimonials and where I am and what I've accomplished. And the fact that I have a new husband who loves me, mm-hmm. my children, my older children so far, <laughs> so far, my children are successful. Um, I've managed, I just have to look at everything around me because when you deal with the emotions of everything that's been implanted in you over the years, sometimes you just, no matter what, you still have that weight of I'm not worthy. Mm-hmm. And so that's mine. Um, I actually wear a ring that says you are worthy. <laughs> I love that. Um, but that is my biggest limiting belief, but I, I, I battle it simply by looking at the successes and, um, knowing that I'm making a difference. I love that so much. Yeah. It's my favorite. It's my favorite question to ask, because I think it's so important that no matter where we are on our journey, whether it's step one or level 10, um, that we normalize for every woman, every woman and everyday women that no matter how hard you work, there are going to be ebbs and flows in your life that are going to trigger those old wounds that are going to trigger those old beliefs. But when you have the skill to say, I've done the work here. So here's my proof, which is what you're saying. You're seeking real life evidence to combat that belief, to get you out of that narrative. Um, It can be really powerful for those who listen to this to know that they're not alone in the struggle of limiting beliefs. They're not alone in core wound. They're not alone in their own thoughts. We're all navigating it no matter where we are. So where can my people find more of you? Yeah, all over the place. Uh, (laughs) I have have a Facebook group for small businesses, women, small businesses. It's called Fempreneurs Dreaming Big. I also have a very new Facebook group called Revenge Worthy Success, newly single women. I'm working on building that community so that I can reach more women and serve them. Um, uh, www.betterindeedgroup.com. Perfect. Yeah, there you go. That's how to I will. I love it. I will link all of those in the show notes. And I want to thank you so much for being so open about your journey and for sharing all of the greatness that you put into the world with our listeners. And I can't wait to watch Revenge Worthy Success just blow up. Yeah, thank you, Kelly. Thanks so much for the time and for having me on. You're very welcome. And as always, my lovely self-love warriors, I hope you take some time today to love yourself fiercely and fully right now in this very moment. And as always, every other day as well. Have a great day. See you later. Hey, gorgeous. I hope you loved this episode with Deanna. Her story is so powerful and the work that she does in this world is super, super important and necessary for anyone who has navigated financial difficulty after a separation or divorce. Um, especially if 
you weren't the one in charge of your finances. But I wanted to hop on really quick and let you know about Deanna's new program, Money Magic for Revenge-Worthy Success. This program is a six-week group coaching program that's really designed to help you get to know the ins and outs of your finances, how to budget, how to manage your money, and where the most important pieces to financial stability lie for you. So if this is something that you really desire in your life, you can click the link in the show notes to join her upcoming round today. Just click the link, commit to financial freedom for yourself and for your family as you navigate life after divorce, life after separation, because you deserve greatness in your heart and in your bank account. I hope you have a beautiful day and thanks for hanging out with us today.